0: And uh, what, the, the, the place that we're going to get to in Exodus today is, uh, is, is, is Moses in the meantime, and we're, we're looking at Exodus as a metaphor which was given to the people of Israel and given to the people of God for, for as, as long as we've been following him as, as a metaphor of, of leaving behind one set of circumstances. What, uh, uh, leaving behind what we have created or leaving behind bondage and going to freedom. This has always been the metaphor from uh, the book of Exodus. And, and last time we talked about this together, we talked about Moses the Revolutionary. You know, when I was very trendy and talked about like how when, the, when we first meet Moses as an adult, He's, he's something more like 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 Killmonger from Black Panther He's this, he's been trained by the empire to execute the ideas of empire and even though he wants to use those ideas of empire for the freedom of his people, he's still trained in the wrong ways and not doing it in God's ways and that leads him to murder, that leads him to alienate his own people, that leads him to end up where we meet him now um, uh, where he is... Uh, he is running and uh, living in Midian sat down by a well. So that's what we're going to get. So, um, I want us to remind us again of the, the simple fact that when we get to Exodus chapter 7, that the, the, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. So, uh, so Joe just turned 83. If he finds an 80-year-old uh, friend to, to, to get in some trouble with, they might cause some serious damage around here. That could be a good thing. But but this is the reality. Is we, Sometimes we think that, that, that people are done at a certain age, and God doesn't see things that way. So then, what's interesting is that is that when the story of Moses is often told, we cut from Moses as a 40-year-old man... To Moses as an 80-year-old man in an instant, we just we just make that very quick move, and we don't spend time here, which is Moses in the meantime. Moses in as a, as a with the with the years that he spent in Midian. So this is where we're going to pick it up. So Moses has just murdered somebody. Pharaoh hears about it. He tries to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the whole troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Okay, so remember, Moses is grown up, he's about 40 years old, he goes to live in Midian. All of his plans have fallen to pieces. Everything about who Moses believed himself to be... At this point in the story, has fallen apart. He's not a prince of Egypt. He's not the leader of the revolution. He's not the leader of the Hebrew uh, of the Hebrew uh, 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 war against the Egyptians. He's living in Midian, sitting down by a well. And in case you're wondering, so Egypt is over here on the other side of the the the, the, the Red Sea, and uh, he goes walks through the wilderness and ends up over here in Midian, which is below the Promised Land, south and, and east of it. Okay, so he ends up there sitting beside a well. And We don't really know how much time went by, but I, th- I feel like we can understand that some time went by that he was just this wanderer in and around Midian before he ends up at this point. We don't know how long he sat down by a well. It could have been years at this point in time. But, but this is where he ends up as this strange drifter ending up there. But what's interesting about Moses is Moses still has this sense of justice living within him. That when he, when he sees these seven daughters coming to dry water and fill their troughs and, and shepherds come and drove them away, Moses gets up and comes to the rescue. There's still something in Moses that has that idea of rightness within him that that even though this is not of his tribe, this is not this is he has no business in this fight. He inserts himself in the middle of this fight, and and we don't really understand what his motivations were, but but he inserts himself into the middle of this and intervenes on behalf of these these uh, presumably young women who are trying to water their father's flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he said to them, Why have you returned so early? And they answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Ruel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Now, some of you might be thinking, like, was it Moses' father-in-law's name Jethro? That is true. Ruel and Jethro seem to be the exact same person with two different names in the Old Testament. And it really isn't a, an odd thing in the ancient world or in the Old Testament, but uh, so that's uh, but that's where we're at. So, and also, inviting someone to eat with you was a way of inviting them into your household. That This law of hospitality was incredibly important. So he invites Moses to, sit, to eat with him, and then Moses agrees to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And suppose it gave birth to a son, and Moses names him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Now, this is a lot of life condensed into a couple of sentences, because it is very fair for us to assume that this process that has just been described to us, that Moses stays, that he's given a daughter in marriage, that he, he makes a life there, and his wife gives birth to a son, and he names it that all of this takes years. This is an incredibly long period of time that is that is that is condensed into a couple of sentences. And we forget when we're reading this story that there are four decades that go by between the revolutionary Moses that we met a couple of weeks ago and the Moses that will end up being called by God at the burning bush. There's four decades in there between the murderer Moses and the Moses- that God sends to Egypt. And in those four decades, we see Moses transformed into this, that, that he names his son Gershom, saying, I have become, as the King James puts it more poetically, I have become a stranger in a strange land. And this is who Moses is. He is no longer Prince of Egypt. He is no longer Hebrew liberator. He is no longer identified with anything other than that I am a stranger In a strange land. Moses for four decades does not feel like he belongs anywhere. And I think that we need to sit in this gap for a while. We have a tendency as human beings to want to rush through to the next big event. We don't want to sit in the in-between times. All of our stories focus on, on the major events. The, these are the, if we tell a story about history, it's like, oh, this is a major battle. Oh, this is a, a major treaty. These were major discussions. All of, these, all of these big events attract our attention. And we do this even in our own lives. We focus on weddings. We focus on births. We focus on all of these highlights. And that's a good and fine thing. But most of our lives are spent in the meantime. And this meantime is something that is incredibly important and is, and is often God's greatest and most used tool in terms of transforming us into what He has called us to be. And there can be a massive gap between what we believe that we're ready for and what God understands us to be ready for, both positively. And negatively. We are often the worst judge of what we are ready for. I saw this negatively in my own life where um, uh, Zoe and I uh, have recently started weight training together and uh, and when we started weight training together uh, Zoe looked at this weight that was uh, I think the first thing it was, 30 was, pounds. it was 30 pounds and she was like I can't do that and I was like it and 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 she could and then you told I told you stick to the program, yeah. But her brain told her that she couldn't do it because that number 30 looked too big. But if there hadn't been a number on it, she would have been fine, right? So there are times when our brains and our spirits say, I'm not ready for something. And God is saying, no, you are just carry the stupid weight. And what God does with us is he often gives us this burden that we don't think that we're fit to carry yet. And he says, yes, you are. Stand up and be strong. And conversely, there are times when we think to ourselves that I'm ready now. I'm ready for leadership. I'm ready for all of the blessings. I'm ready for this relationship. I'm ready for this conflict. I'm ready for this fight. I'm ready for what God has planned for me and I want it now. And God is saying, no, you're not ready actually yet. You think that you're ready, but you're not. We're terrible at discerning how God is using time when time is is God's most significant tool that he uses to form us. And we think that in this, in the meantime, when nothing extravagant is happening, we think that nothing is going on there, that God is using that time to transform us. The writer of Ecclesiastes, I think, framed this the most beautiful in Ecclesiastes yes. 3, where he says he see, where he says that he sees a burden that God has laid on the hearts of man, that he has set eternity on our hearts, but we have no idea what God is doing from one moment to the next. That we understand that time is passing. We understand that we're only moving in one direction through time. We understand that all of this is happening, and God is using this to form us, but we can't see what he's doing. This is a burden, and it's uncomfortable. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And yet, James says, "Count it, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And that includes time. The trials that we face often include just the day-to-day drudgery of feeling as if nothing is changing, of feeling as if we're stuck, of feeling as if we're unused, as of, of feeling as if we're unusable. And yet God is using that burden, is using that trial of, to build in us perseverance. We know that the testing of our faith, faith produces perseverance. Perseverance is only built by enduring time going by slowly. We know that faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I think that this is incredibly important for me to learn, and it's incredibly important for us to remember that, that, that God's time is not wasted or unused, but pers- purposefully intended. And there's a couple of things that, that, uh, that I want to specifically mention because... Uh, it, it, you know, everybody gets caught up in their own thing, but, but, but Teddy has to, told me. Teddy told me I specifically need to mention this. People with young children, specifically moms with young children, you feel like this time is never going to end, and that all of your time is just spent feeding this ungrateful creature. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be rude about that, but that's the reality of it. You know, and if you're, and, and there's many women in this church that are incredibly gifted and feel like, am I just really wasting my time with this, like, useless lump, right? Because there's times when you love it, but there's also times when you're like, right? God is using this time. This is important. And it's temporary, but I, think the, but, but I but I think that this is important for us to remember, that God is using this time. Parents when you feel like things are not changing, that they are changing. And I think it's only when we look to our older folk that we understand that well, that we understand that God is not wasting time as we think God might be wasting time, that God is not delaying as we think God might be delaying, but rather God is using the greatest tool that he has at his disposal To form us and make us into who he has called us to be so older folk remember that God has not wasted time that you feel has been wasted but that he's used it purposefully and we need your wisdom and and the, the perseverance that you have garnered over decades we all need that now young people you do not need to be in a rush to get everything right now Life is short, but life is also long, and God is using this time to transform you into what he has called us to be. Moses did not make a, a top 40 under 40 list. He didn't even make a top 80 under 80 list. Moses spent 40 years as a stranger in a strange land, believing that that, that, that there was no purpose for him other than the day-to-day grind of everything that he was putting together. And yet God was using that day-to-day grind to work Egypt, the parts of Egypt, out of him that needed to be worked out of him. And to work the humility into him that needed to be worked into him. God was preparing the way. Because as much as... Uh, 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 as much as we want and demand and don't understand why God isn't doing all of the things that we want God to do right now, God's delay is not unintentional. God's delaying isn't isn't uh, thought through, but yet God's delaying and, and God's timing is purposeful and intentional. Because we see in the very next thing after we learn that Moses is while Moses is being a stranger in a strange land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And the cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. And God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God was using this time. God was preparing. God was listening God was paving the way and preparing his path. And in the fullness of time, he revealed his will to the people that he had called and prepared to do the work that he had called them to do. If you feel like you are in a meantime, if you feel like you are stuck, if you feel like you are useless and unused in a period of time that that, that doesn't feel like it's going to end, I want to encourage you with the story of Moses who spent four decades wasting and feeling as if he was alone and abandoned, and yet God was using that to form him and shape him And make him into a useful tool to do what he had called him to do. I'm not saying this because it's easy to remember when you're in the moment. And I'm the worst for this. But I'm saying this because scripture reminds us. And we so easily skip it to run on to the next event. Because we all want to find ourselves at a burning bush... Where God is revealing Himself to us perfectly and completely and in a way that we cannot mistake and calling us to a radical change in our life that we are finally ready for. We all are adamantly and, and completely desiring to get to that burning bush, but we forget that it was four decades that God said, You're not ready for the burning bush yet. God isn't waiting because he's not paying attention. God is waiting because he is forming us and preparing us and preparing the way so that we can do what he has called us to do in the fullness of his time. So this is important for us to remember. And it's important for us to remember as we come to this table. As we come to this table, we recognize that we are coming to a God that in the fullness of time placed himself into the human story. Hebrews says very clearly that in the fullness of time, at the climax of all of human history, God placed himself in this story. And we come weekly to remember this story until he comes again, to remember his death, to remember everything that he, the way that he was torn apart on our behalf. So as we come here... I would like us to, to spend some time praying for the that God would give us a vision of the fullness of his time for us as well, the fullness of him working within us and among us, the fullness of what he is preparing us for, and ask him for the endurance to live and survive and to thrive and to be joyful in this meantime in which we are living. because. He has promised us that he, that not to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, but to, but to seek his kingdom in this moment and that he would provide for us. So let's pray about those things as we prepare to meet at God's day.